By 1928, the New Yorker had already dubbed Capone the greatest gang leader in history. His brutality was legendary, even during his lifetime. It was widely known, although almost impossible to prove, that he engineered dozens of murders. Today, we learn about the infamous man's life and legacy. This is Casual History. go <laughs> what's up everybody this is casual history welcome back what's up jeffrey how's it going uh it's going really good just got back from the renaissance fair so things are things are looking pretty up man it was a uh, nerd city a pretty uh, uh um direct conflict with what we're about to talk about <laughs> from that it, intro it is it has nothing to do with the subject funny right. enough yeah but uh because you just heard that intro which was hilarious and jeffrey suggested that uh, but yeah, we we need to sprinkle just Scarface quotes throughout this entire well, pod. It reminds me that of would the, make me really happy. The intro we did for Braveheart. Yeah, I, exactly. I like doing that. Exactly. Yeah, I do too. I think it's really funny. Yeah, but yeah, other than that, uh, just been busy day today, man. You know. You know what I was just, thinking uh, about life stuff. I was thinking we should get a um, uh, one of those. Well, I guess I could set it up here, but where we have little audio clips, little sound bites. We do. We really do. That would be really funny. Even I'd, like recorded our own sound bites if we made a joke or something. Yeah, it, we could uh, do that for really for the movie or for the podcast. Like we're doing one about Al Capone, obviously, Scarface. Hell yeah, man. Um, and so it would be fun if we could have. Uh, but it's a th- idea for the future. We could try to set up, which would be fun. Definitely, definitely. We d- definitely need to do that here. Uh, that'd make things so much fun. Yeah. But yeah. So today, Jeffrey, we were talking about Al Capone, as you heard in the intro. And basically, just going to get into his life story. Uh, he has some really interesting things uh, that I tried to make into a full podcast, and there wasn't quite enough for that. So I just decided, why not just let's talk about him in general? Because obviously, a very interesting man. Uh, and a lot uh, of cocaine. Just a lot of controversy. A lot of cocaine. <laughs> I mean, Scarface was based after him, but I mean, I don't know about uh, his drug stuff, which I don't think they really talk about in here. Yeah. Very much, but well, just it, like how he rose to rose to power hmm. uh, as a kid, and like who, who he was as a kid, like that to me is like really fascinating. So I thought, you know, why not do a pot on it? Yeah, know? well, I want to set the ground rules here. I have not watched Scarface. I know it in pieces uh, based on quotes. So I know it's okay. based on again Al Capone and that world and how much is real. I don't know. Like I said, I'm ignorant on it. But that's my ground base here. I know we're talking about the real life. Uh, yeah, man behind it. I'm I'm ready so, to admit right now that I haven't seen Scarface either. Wow, we're both <laughs> so, under. We're both prepared. Uh, <laughs> we are. I should have watched it in preparation for this pot. That honestly. would have been yeah. That um, prob- probably was a move. <laughs> I mean, it is a classic. Uh, let me know in our in our Twitter DMs or Facebook, Facebook DMs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if if we should watch it, if you guys think it's a good enough movie, because I mean, good I'd enough movie. It's a classic, isn't it? It's like four and a half I, stars or something. It's it's one of those you have it to is. see. I just never have. 
You're right. You're right. I need to, I just need to sit down and watch it, man. Again, I know the quotes though. I know some of the quotes. Yeah. Like I, I remember exactly. there's a bathtub scene where he's spilling his philosophy on life. And then like that scene, of course, is famous. Say hello to my little friend as he's, yeah, of you course. know, flowing down the door. So. I mean, that has, that is like reached to pop culture that yeah. is everywhere. Yeah. Like you knew that as a little kid, even though you didn't know where that was from. Exactly. You just thought it was baby crazy. powder on the, on the table. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the same as like the Star Wars quotes of like, I am your father. Like some, some quotes just like transcend whether you've seen the movie or not. It's just in pop culture in general. Well, that quote from funny. Star Wars, not to get too off base, is misquoted. You know, like the, right. what, how do you remember that quote happening if you can pull it off the top of your head where he goes, no. Oh, what does he say? Luke, uh, I am your father? Or does he say, no, yeah, I am your he's father? Yeah, like, Obi-Wan never told me about your father. And he goes... He told me enough. You killed him. And but do you remember he goes, if he said Luke? No. Huh? Do you remember if he said Luke, I am your father? Because that's how everyone quotes, at least everyone I, I've been around. You're right. They quote You're Luke, right. I, I am your father, and it's not the real line. No, he literally, he doesn't say Luke at all. No, he just says, no, I am your father. Right. Dun, dun, right, dun. exactly. No, You're right. Impossible. <laughs> Everybody assumed that's right. Everybody thinks Luke is in front of it, but it's not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, little yeah. Mind so twist weird. For you. So like, society has just taken it and made it whatever they wanted it to be. You know, a little bit. And I I can't remember. It was on one of those uh, not Mandela effects, but I think it was one of the Mandela effect uh, nice. quotes. You know, like the Bernstein or Berenstein Bears. Yeah, man, like Fruit Loops, whether it's spelled with two O's. We could do a whole podcast. That's a good one, actually, we to mention really could. On the Mandela effect. <laughs> yeah, man, we definitely yeah, should do that. That's on the notes. Anyway, um, so Anyways. Al Capone, life story, uh, rise to power, all that. Let's get into it. That's right. All right. Well, so Capone was born and raised in Brooklyn, uh, a part of a big Italian family. His parents were immigrants, but Capone grew up poor, one of nine children. Hmm. Uh, he dropped out of sixth grade. Uh, he ran the street. Uh, he ran with street gangs as a boy and a young man, and worked a series of medial jobs as a teenager that made good use of his size, strength, and bravado. Was he big? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Let I think me look it up. Let me Google it real quick. How tall was Al Capone? Five yeah, ten. I need to know this. Five ten. So not five the ten, biggest so not guy. That big. Oh wait, no. hold on. I have one saying five ten, one saying five seven. So that's interesting. Huh. Maybe he just had an intimidating, fi- you know, intimidating. He had to. Uh, he had to have aura. an aura around him. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but he found his true calling as a bouncer at a diet bar on Coney Island, where he mixed with some of New York's toughest thugs. Mm. Um, yeah. So Capone was also a good student in his Brooklyn elementary school, but began failing, uh, falling behind and had to repeat the sixth grade. It was around that time that he started playing hooky and hanging out at the Brooklyn docks. Mm. One day, Capone's teacher hid him for insolence, and he struck back. Oh, the principal shit. gave him a beating, and Capone <laughs> never returned to school. He gets hit. He hits so, the back, that kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And so starts the legend immediately, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I yeah. Again, different time where a teacher can hit a student, but yes. Apparently, well, different time. I remember back. you having to sanction our parents having to sanction whether we got, you know, paddled or not for discipline. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. I'm sure principal. there was a time where that wasn't really asked. It was just like, you're there. Yeah. But uh, isn't that a funny yeah, so thing he, that that was like global 
accepted accepted uh, punishment that for, one time. Yeah, for kids in schools, paddle someone. That is true. Remember, our, know, our father I mean, used to talk about he had like there was a specialized paddle with uh, holes in it, you know, to make it yeah. extra painful. <laughs> Gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy, man. The world has changed so much. <laughs> yeah, it has, honestly. Um, but, but okay, yeah. so he gets hit and he hits back. That's I'm kind of okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm okay with you're, that. You're or kind not. of okay with this. Well, so I mean, far? like, how old is he? How old was he at that time? He said sixth grade. He's in sixth grade. Wow. I mean, it's he's got some, uh, you know, he's got some moxie. Yeah, he's Again, got some like moxie. that speaks. That kind of like it definitely give you some insight to his personality just a touch. Like, because yeah. that sixth grade, I don't think I had the balls to do that. Yeah. You know, and so that that I think that says a lot. Um, yeah, it does. So by this time, the Capones had moved out of the tenement into a better home on the outskirts of Park Slope neighborhood in Brooklyn Mm. uh, after that whole thing went down. It was here that Capone met both his future wife, uh, Mary Coughlin, is is her name, and his mob mentor, numbers racketeer Johnny Toro. Mob mentor. Okay. Yeah, he was a mob mentor. Uh, So he had come to Chicago to work for Johnny Toro. once one of the legends on Brooklyn, on the Brooklyn gang scene, and now a rising force in Chicago underworld. Um, some accounts suggest that Toro recruited Capone to join his organization because he spotted talent in the young man. <laughs> Others suggested that Capone fled Brooklyn after a bar fight in which he nearly killed a man with his fists. So, <laughs> like, all this is just, like... I think that goes together right quite well. He saw talent in him because he did that, you know? It could have been one leading to the other. Yeah, he knew the dude was a badass. Um, yeah. Everyone needs a mentor. But by the time of Al Capone's arrival in Chicago in 1920, the population had climbed to 2.7 million, making it the second largest city in the nation after New York. Um, it had still felt uncrowded and untamed. As more immigrants moved from Italy, Ireland, Poland, Germany... China, Russia, and Greece, everyone shoved aside to make room. Uh, new neighborhoods attached themselves to the old. The city just kept stretching, 26 miles long and 14 miles wide, more jigsaw puzzle than melting pot. Um, the sprawling geography allowed ethnic groups to cling to their old languages and customs to a greater extent than they ever could in New York. Hmm. So that kind of gives you you know, a little bit of backdrop to of the city at the time. Yeah. The different suburbs, uh, which led to this rise. Yeah. Um, Capone always saw himself as a businessman, even when ordering violent hits in interviews, Capone would often say violence is a part of the job. Um, he didn't see it necessarily as something God would consider a sin because he was protecting himself. He was protecting his family and protecting his business that he needed to, in order to take care of his family. But he did acknowledge that he was a bootlegger. Yeah. Um, well, that's the whole question, right? <laughs> right. Like, would you steal bread to feed your family? Would you hurt yeah. someone but to get I don't the bread think to feed just your family? Stole bread. That's what I said. That I just upped it. Would you hurt someone to steal the bread to feed your family? That's a question right now, Jacob. What do you think? I don't. You're starving. I, mean, I don't know if he was doing this through necessity. Well, it didn't sound like he had a lot of. He said he dropped out at sixth grade. Kind right. of came underneath a mentor, kind of fell into the the world there. Into the scene. I guess there's always the option not to be this. Obviously, there's that option. Yeah. But some think, people don't I have that option. I think it was the option. opportunity. Yeah. 
he took an opportunity to do so. Yeah. Which, um, you know, yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about that at the moment. I'm sure you're going to tell me some horrific things. I'm going to go, this guy is the worst. <laughs> but I right mean, now I'm like, okay, I'm not talking about the hits. I'm just talking about the way of life. I'm like, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Sure, sure. Tough city, you know, yeah. grew up tough, had to find a way. I mean, I, I guess there's some in part of In a past life, I think um, I could have been, you know, I could have done well in that scene. <laughs> Oh God, Jeffrey! <laughs> you know, sometimes Jacob, yeah, you, gotta, you think so. If necessary, you gotta make the moves. You know what I mean? You if gotta... necessary, <laughs> uh, yeah. Jesus, <laughs> but, but yeah. So uh, I also have a quote on how Chicago's population felt about the mob in general uh, at this time. And so the quote goes: "I think at times Chicago's population felt terrorized, but it wasn't the machine guns that did it." There were hardly any incidents in which innocent civilians were killed in these gang wars. It was really the gangsters being killed. And because the police weren't doing anything to stop these guys, the fact that some of them died didn't stir a lot of sympathy among, among Chicagoans. Um, the real issue for most Chicagoans was the damage it did to the city's reputation. Hmm. Um, we already had an image of corrupt politics. We had a mayor who was widely perceived as being one of the most uh, corrupt in the country's history. And then you've got these gangsters walking around down the street with machine guns, shooting it out on Michigan Avenue in broad daylight. This is, as you can imagine, not good for business. It's a wild so west. So a lot of, yeah. So it wasn't the fact that like they felt like they were super in danger because they were fighting themselves, but obviously it ran away business and made it less reputable of a, of a town. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're trying to make a living there and open a, a decent shop, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting to note. Yeah. I also have another quote on Al Capone's celebrity status. Okay. Um, so in the 1920s, everybody wanted to be a celebrity. Everybody wanted to be like Babe Ruth or Charles Lindenberg. Businessmen in particular uh, in the 1920s believed to be a success. Uh, an entrepre- entre- uh, Sorry. An entrepreneur needed to have a personality in a sense that you are a success. And that's why I think Capone dressed the way he did. And that's why he entertained the press because he wanted to be perceived as a successful American. Um, Dale Carnegie would later cite Capone as a model for creating the public image. Obviously it went bad in many ways for Capone, but that's the image that he was going for. So that's literally in quotes. Do, so, um, so do people know at this time, like when he's doing interviews or, you know, media runs, <laughs> Is it known that he's yeah. like a mobster and that he, he's doing, you know, legal like drug runs or bootlegging and is that yes, a known I believe thing? people know huh. that he's not like the up and up dude um, during this time. I guess I forget that, you know, you can have a reputation, but it's not like your business is on a website. It's not like your business is going to be. Sure. I guess it is person to person. It's different back then too. Yes. Exactly. So it's probably um, not the, the biggest deal. <laughs> weirdly <laughs> to say <laughs> with all the fabulous wealth generated by this uh, various criminal enterprises including alcohol racketeering and prostitution it seems strange that Capone would be interested in the dairy business this is where I thought the story got interesting yet when his empire was at the height of its power in the early 1930s that is exactly what happened why Capone suddenly felt that milk would make a worthwhile career not only provides a fascinating insight into the food industry at the start of the 20th century, 
but it also reveals little known altruistic side of the feared gangster. Huh? So yeah. So all of a sudden, um, I believe the, uh, the thing against alcohol was going up, like they were moving the law away. Yeah. Cause that's where he made a lot of his money, right? Selling yeah. alcohol when it was outlawed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he needed another like income source mm-hmm. and he saw milk as this opportunity. I thought that was very interesting that he started like a milk gang. Well, that's well, here, <laughs> funny enough. There's a, there's a funny, uh, not funny, but there's an interesting line of thinking there because I, I've watched again, this is going through movies and different stories and documentaries I've read, but when people like that diversify, which is yeah. like, it's how hard is that to like, how do you strangle that route? You know, like if this person's doing all these bad things and they own like 10 different businesses that are in 10 different sectors like that's hard to like cut off cut away or cut off Definitely. so i think that's a smart move i'm fine my capone i think yeah let's start diversifying let's own a milk company let's own a bank you know like start working his way towards that's yeah man hey i could i'll be yeah, your and there's i'll be your accountant al let's go let's <laughs> roll this thing man let's, and it's and it's never been it's never been confirmed but they believe that like someone in Al Capone's family um, got sick because a bad expiration. There was no expiration dates on milk at this time oh. um, for any of it. And so they believe that something happened where one of his family members got sick and then it kind of made it like almost like a good thing. Like he wanted to get in so he could change it. Yeah. And kind of for his own motives, but also try to replace some of the income um, <laughs> from fun. the alcohol. What a funny thing. He's like, you know what? He got sick from milk. I'm going to, I'm going to change this world. I'm going to own a milk store or a milk plant. Dude. And we're going to, we're going to make the best milk. That's a funny passion. We'll, we'll talk more about it, but this man had both sides. He ran a brutal, you know, gang, but also he was, he had a food kitchen in town who is serving food to the homeless like five days a week. Well, that is the thing too, right? That's majority of these stories come from these, these mobsters taking care of their, the suburb, their little community. Like why would those people not like them or want them to protect them? That's again, a lot of those movies that we've seen where they'll go by and collect taxes, personal taxes, you know, for protection for the little community. Sure. But then they do things like that, that are, helping the community, trying to uplift, like give people food. But I feel like it's obviously a, a two-handed play. You don't want the people oh, that course. you're doing the business around to just all ratchet you out or, you know, turn on you. You want well, them this to be was close a, and rely on you. This was a man, like, making $100 million a year from Wait, just bootlegging. What? He was making $100 million In the 1930s? a year from bootlegging. Yeah. Cheese. That's yes. a lot of cheese. A hundred percent. So this man had that power, and he was also doing things for his image. He felt like... Also, we're going to talk more about it, so I don't want to like spoil it. Uh, I was just about to, yeah. But uh, yeah, like he cared about his image a lot yeah. with the people of the city. I think uh, it makes a difference. So it I think made it's a him, smart play. It made it very interesting on how he was perceived as a businessman, yeah. as they were saying. So uh, in the 1920s and early 1930s, Al Capone ran the Chicago outfit, also known as the Chicago Mafia when gangs battled for control over illegal alcohol distribution during Prohibition. According to Capone's grandniece, her uncle Al made 100 mil per year from bootlegging. 
As Prohibition was nearing its end, Capone needed another way to fund his grand lifestyle, but he was tired of the mortal danger that came with his illegal business activities. Members of other Chicago gangs thought nothing uh, of breaking their promises or threatening violence against their families. Uh, Frightened that he or his family might be killed, Capone was plagued by nightmares. He wanted to leave the outfit. And we have a quote from him actually saying, I've got to get out, Ralph. Capone would rant to his older brother. I've got enough money. I don't need this insanity. Uh, Weiss, Morin, and the other members of the gangs are idiots. You can't do business with crazy people. I've been shot at, almost poisoned with acid. Uh, He said there's also another offer of $50,000 to any gunman who can kill me. They don't understand that that's enough for all of us. And they're mad because I run a better business. I make more money than they do. I run my outfit like a business. It is a business. Smart man. That is an actual quote Sounds like a smart guy, to be honest with you. Almost a sane guy. You know, like he he knew his limits. He was like, okay, I need to get out. He knew this was going to get him killed. Yeah, made my money. Um, Yeah, so unsurprisingly, one of the key drives of his newfound love of lactose was money. Uh, The contemporary Chicago milk industry was rigidly structured and carefully controlled. No business could be conducted without approval from the all-powerful milk union. This is, this is amazing, but this is true. An organization so well-versed in the commercial uh, skelduggery, that's a funny word that's in this article, that they're referred to by Capone's associate as the city's reigning milk cartel. Hmm. Um, so shortly after, Capone thought of milk. Uh, if it is criteria for a legitimate business, that he can make up a lot of money, Um, Almost everybody uses milk every day, especially families with kids. The markup on milk was greater than that of alcohol. Best of all, the Chicago outfit already controlled bottling factories for illegal alcohol distribution, which could be adapted for milk. So he was just just a businessman, Jeff. (laughs) Listen, it was a smart move. So what was was the mob side of him? So he, what, he took out other rival mobs because they were like what would they do like like if he's running a bootleg like him operation running his illegal business he was he was killing other gang members trying to do the same thing there was lots of gang wars right. murders hits right terrible things going all on. over alcohol running so not no real drugs or you know i don't know anything he was also doing a bunch of other things yes so it yeah. could have been all of all the above okay because I'm like, if he's but, just uh, bootlegging, and I mean, at the time it was considered bad, obviously, because it was prohibition. Um, sure. And there was no alcohol supposed to be happening. But obviously, now we have alcohol on every corner of every street and every city. So looking back, yes. you're like, what was so wrong about him running alcohol if that's all he's doing? But obviously, that's not all he was doing. I just. No, um, it definitely wasn't. But when this he. This is kind of skipping over what we kind of already know about him, which was he was running a gang, a powerful gang that would like murder people and like send hits on people yeah uh and people would disappear like again i could uh, not imagine being a political figure in one of those cities like i could not imagine having any sort of power to go against like someone coming up and be like hey you don't do something we're gonna do we're gonna kill your family we're gonna kill you how like how terrifying like i would believe them immediately if this is like oh yeah so like how do you do anything like that that uh, makes a difference or change. Like, how do you shift away from that? I know. I don't know, man. But, uh, yeah, so, although uh, Deidre Capone doesn't all seem to confirm the story, 
Some reports say that Al Capone got into the milk business after one of his relatives got sick, which I already told you. Um, either way, the lack of regulations on milk production provided Capone with an opportunity to corner the market. Yeah. He was already developed a reputation for being something of a latter-day Robin Hood in Chicago. So that was his reputation. During the Depression, Capone opened the first soup kitchen, offering three meals daily to financially struggling individuals and their families. The soup kitchen was so popular that he opened more, but Capone went beyond spending money to help people. He actually went to the soup kitchens and served meals himself. So it seemed in character for him to lobby the Chicago City Council for a law to stamp expiration or sell-by dates on milk bottles to provide the city's children from harm. Hmm. Um, Capone set his sights on acquiring Meadowmore da- uh, Dairies, a milk processor. It was also believed that stamping equipment was already underneath his control. Um, after Chicago passed a law mandating visible expiration dates on all milk bottles, Capone had the ability to effectively control the milk market. Uh, but he still had one problem. Back then, only Teamsters Union milkmen delivered fresh local milk to Chicago homes. Capone wanted to use a non-union truck driver to, to deliver less expensive imported milk from Wisconsin. When he couldn't work out a deal to make that happen, he had the union's president kidnapped. <laughs> With a $50,000 ransom, Capone bought Meadowmore Dairies, Deidre Capone says her uncle didn't really enjoy the milk business because it wasn't good or glamorous as his legal liquor. Yeah. So in any case, three months after his milk business opened, Capone was imprisoned. Uh, and that's where, how did he get yeah, he ended up for like tax fraud? Tax fraud. He got thrown in jail for tax fraud. Isn't that fraud. always the case? <laughs> you have to get them on something <laughs> I don't know. that I, isn't related to any of their actual lives and work that they're doing i'm sure once you get to a point like it's just it's just illegal things after illegal things like what's this gonna harm this is another thing i'm gonna add to the list you also know? in the if you're making 100 million a year you know yeah. like in the 30s how, how do you even keep track of that as his empire was so big yeah how do you keep even as the government how do you keep track of someone making 100 million a year underground I, you know I, to know oh they're not paying their taxes like i don't understand that i know i'm sure it was a situation where they just needed something on him yeah and that's what they could find this was all a you funnel know, like, so we can talk about how i don't understand the irs and how they know how much money i owe but don't tell me dude it's <laughs> every year. that's its own thing <laughs> this is all that's this is the real thing, reason man, we're right? here the mobster is a good a great <laughs> example of trying to skirt the the cape of irs tax fraud and not getting away I mean, with it even though that's I, also not the only bad thing he did he did I lots know, of terrible I know, things before I that i know but <laughs> but but yeah that seems to be the only case that can be held against some of these people and like history of going through and like getting mobsters it's always around their money which obviously that's something that we could easily track probably the reason being but sure still i i don't understand the irs yeah. <laughs> that modern day, yeah. yeah, it's still nuts to me. Like you owe the money, just but tell you have me, to man. calculate it. Yeah, just tell me how much I owe I'll you. I'll pay dude. it just, if I just knew. <laughs> yeah, like I don't want a misunderstanding. Just tell me how much I owe I you, man. I don't That's need all, the fear, I mean, you know, of don't getting make audited me do and doing something wrong. Just tell me what right. I owe. <laughs> you already know. I know. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, on that note, let's just take a short break, Jeffrey. That's a great and mental we're break. We're going to get started. Uh, 
talking about his missing millions next, which I'm sure you'll be interested in. All right. All right. And we're back after that break. Thank you for listening to that. Uh, All that supports us and uh, really appreciate that. You can find us on social media at casual X history. Um, Every ad listen helps support the podcast and helps us produce better podcasts. How many times can I say exactly. podcast? Don't you sentence? want better podcasts? <laughs> don't you want don't you want this to be better? Yeah, I do. I think that I think that's the right choice. But we're talking um, about so, Al Capone. Yes, we were. And we we're talking about also his missing millions. Um, yeah, and what happened to all his money, Jeffrey? Don't you want to know that? Don't you want to know? What I, did he lose it? <laughs> yes, he lost it, Jeffrey. So, okay. So what goes up must come down and Capone's power was no exception. Uh, The perennial FBI target, he was arrested multiple times before tax evasion charge put him away for good. By the time he began his sentence in 1932, the famous criminal was suffering from syphilis, gonorrhea, cocaine withdrawal, uh, all in prison, right? (laughs) Horrible. Upon upon an STD to that, you're having a really bad time. Dude, it's real bad. Uh, Upon his 1939 prison release, Capone retreated to his mansion in Palm Beach, Florida. Suffering from various mental and physical issues, he eventually died from heart failure in 1947. He was 48 years old at the time. Hmm. So, now let's get into the real numbers, Jeffrey. And I know you'll be interested to hear about this. Um, It has been estimated that Al Capone's net worth was a hundred million US dollars at the height of his power. Okay. Which equates to a cool one point five billion in today's dollars. So throughout the mid nineteen twenties, the notorious gangster and his outfit were reportedly earning as much as eighty five million a year. Uh however by the time he died, Al Capone's money was more or less nowhere to be found. Well everyone else has it, right? No. It it it's it was his own money. That disappeared. Hmm. So the mystery of Capone's missing millions continues to inspire endless gossip and speculation, even amongst his descendants. Um, is it true that he buried a treasury box and then forgot where it was located? Was the box filled with actual treasure or did it hold keys to the security boxes along with the bank account information? Yeah. One thing we know for sure, his vault was empty. So, so he did, he did trust the banks. That's what I was about to ask is like, did he hold this, you know, under his, his mattress or did he actually put it in a bank? Well, there's lots of rumors behind that. Um, a lot of people believe he quite literally forgot like, and I'll get to that too. Um, most criminal empires were cash based operations back in the day. And for obvious reasons, as a result, Al Capone's network and earnings of his outfit remain somewhat hard to pin down. Hmm. Of course, that hasn't stopped numerous of experts or government entities from trying. According to the government report, the outfit was approximately uh, approximately $50 million a year from illegal liquor, $25 million from gambling, and about $10 million from drugs and prostitution during the mid-20s. Experts have also suggested that Al Capone's network covered around $100 million when his empire was its most vast, um, while merciless in his pursuit of profit. Capone was quite charitable. During the Great Depression, he reportedly opened one of the first soup kitchens, like we talked about. Um, yeah, and was seen as a modern-day Robin Hood, which is nuts. On the other hand, 
Robinhood doesn't exactly seem like the type to enact the Saint Valentine's Day massacre, where basically he ordered the killing of another gang and just murdered them in the streets. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So when the smoke clears, there's still millions upon millions of dollars to be accounted for. This brings us to the ongoing mystery of Al Capone's lost treasure box, which he reportedly stashed before going into prison. Can we? Can so we? So what happened to all those? Can we stop for two yeah. seconds? Because I have a. I have a sure. thought. I just you touched on something that I feel like I want to know more about. <laughs> I just looked it up. Sure. Quick, the St. Valentine's Day massacre. I had I, I think I've heard of it before, but I didn't realize what it was, and I just put it in there. I wanted to maybe throw in this information for context for those who might might not know, because um, I just yeah Wikipedia'd it. <laughs> but it, essentially, it's it. it's uh, uh was in 1929 it was the murder of seven members of. Uh, associates of a sh- Chicago's North Side gang that occurred on St. Valentine on Valentine's Day. Um, I guess right. it says here that the men were gathered at a Lincoln Park gr- Park garage on the morning of February 14th, lined up against the wall and shot. Um, they yeah. said they were shot by unknown, four unknown assailants, two of whom were dressed as police officers. Mm-hmm. So think about so dressed as Brutal. police officers. That's some. Uh, Interesting that's some powerful warfare. shit, man. Yeah. wonder if that's how they picked like, him up. Like I said, dude was every bit of the gangster that he is known to be, like the bad the bad dude that he was known to be. Yeah. But it, I found what was most interesting about the stories and write-ups about him was how, like that, like how he cared, the soup kitchens, everything he did for the community. You are trying to shine a good light on him, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not trying to shine a good light, but just, just, uh, I think that stuff is, gets buried that kind of, that kind of, uh, extra stuff about it, yeah. about him and his life yeah, and kind of what legacy he, he brings to the people that he did help. Yeah. Like I'm sure he did help lots and lots of families during that time, which is nuts. Who, who's, who's in contact with you, Jacob? Who's telling you to put this story out here in this framework? You're, <laughs> you, are you, are you being threatened? Blink twice I'm if you're not in danger. I'm not to say. <laughs> Blink twice if you're in danger, please. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to. <laughs> I'm not trying to gloss over all the horrible things yeah. you did. No, no, it's uh, fine. We just haven't touched I, on any I, of them, <laughs> <laughs> except for bootlegging, which I'm still questioning how horrible right. that is. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> just like okay. well, just know he was a terrible guy. Okay, okay? I'll take your word at it. Just for context, he was a horrible, horrible man. Yeah. Um, who did one or two good things in his life that don't probably make up for the horrible <laughs> things that he did. Okay. Um, I, I did see something here too, by the way. Again, maybe you're going to touch on this, but it says something sure. along the lines of uh, that when he right, went into prison, that again, they how do you stash that kind of cash, which you were mentioning. Um, yes. But I guess according to the great niece, her gangster relative went to elaborate lengths to hide hundreds of millions of dollars. But by the time he got out... Yes that his mind decayed, that it didn't really matter. So someone knows where it yes. was, the hundreds of millions of dollars. There's, there's an actual like place, maybe it was actually hidden somewhere. So that's interesting. Well, actually, there's theories. So what I read was that he did bury some of it. He also hid cer- a certain amount of millions in various bank accounts that he completely forgot after. Mm. And they grant their the relatives did try to dig up when he went into prison, they should try to dig up where they had thought he had buried the treasure and could not find anything. 
Like Cuba? So it was never found. <laughs> I, I yeah, thought I so remember they, Cuba being something in some of those stories that I read. Right, but you're right. I was just about to touch on that. Oh, cool. For anybody wondering how an individual might misplace millions of dollars, remember that Al Capone was suffering from syphilis. As the disease progressed, it began to chip away at its mental faculties. When the doctors administered penicillin in the early 1940s, an experimental new drug at the time, it was far too late to reverse the damage to Capone's brain. A year before his death, it was said that he possessed the mentality of a 12-year-old child. So that should explain why he doesn't remember anything like that Mm. or where he hid everything. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So it was truly a downfall. I would assume it was, wouldn't be just money either. I think from, uh, my brief information on it was like, uh, they would oftentimes, uh, transfer the money into diamonds or like physical assets. Sure. Um, and that would be really hard to keep track of as well. I'm sure. Right, exactly. And it sounds like he, he really did split it up and put it in a bunch of different places. He didn't just like bury all his millions in the ground and waited for him to, to come out, you know? He, like, I think he is the reason for Curse he, of Oak Island. <laughs> he might be the reason for Curse of Oak Island. Yeah, so that was my next theory, Jeffrey. Yeah, <laughs> no, <I'm> put it. <laughs> Let me go into an hour of talking about why Oak Island is Al Capone's millions. That okay, would be so. the wildest <laughs> twist Dude, that'd be pretty great <laughs> if somehow we find they find a connection to Al Capone on that island. Yeah, honestly, we should do a podcast on that island alone. There's been so much intriguing stuff about it. Yeah, I think there's a lot. I don't know if you agree. No, I do. I think there's a lot. I've seen quite a bit of the TV show, um, but I don't know oh, how yeah. much of that is fake or how much of that is just you know for the TV show. So for TV, yeah, you're right. I don't know, but man, that'd be so much fun. But yeah, that was that was the basic article. Um, I read about him. I was more interested about his pursuit of milk, but he is largely <laughs> largely considered the reason why we even have use to dates, like for milk or dairy products in general, which is crazy. Yeah, I'm just laughing. <laughs> You're like, I'm more interested in now his pursuit of milk. <laughs> it's like this man was a mobster. And you're like, yeah, I just was really interested in Al Capone's love of milk. You know, Dude, he's, are you telling me that's not crazy? It is when crazy. I read Al Capone and his milk mafia, I was like, I'm in. Yeah. No. Listen, it, I'm I'm ready to go. I don't know what that means or why that's the case, but yeah. No, it's interesting. I'm sure that, that a lot of mobsters had jobs in the union of milk, the milk world because of him. And so, you know, there's probably branches of milk now we could find that ties back to the original, you know, gangsters. But which is why you get all those wives tales about milkmen, you know, but Uh, is the being born by milkmen coming (laughs) to the doors? Just bad people in the milk industry, man. Bad people. Yeah. Just going to seduce your, your partner at the house. Um, Damn straight. But the used, uh, the Al being the, the godfather of the used milk dates is pretty funny to Isn't me. Isn't that weird? Um, that's that's why I find it interesting is because it's weird. It doesn't fit what I thought Al Capone, like what he was about. I, I didn't think he did any good thing. But is the milk <laughs> thing even true? So, I thought some of those, like, you know, not, okay, not the milk in particular, but used date, used by dates are somewhat flexible. Oh, you mean like, you just mean them in general? Yeah. So how they're applied? The, yeah. <laughs> well, we're at I mean, it. If we're gonna get into it, <laughs> talking about Al Capone being the founder of this, so maybe we should try to dive into his mindset a bit. I guess his family member got sick and didn't want it to happen again. Like I get it, but 
It's a weird passion sure. project that <laughs> turned into. It is a very weird passion project for someone who's like basically a murderer. We can thank Al Capone for my stomach never being upset from overdue milk. That's what you're telling me. Uh, yep, that's right. Okay. It's all because of him. And yep, he's he's the reason why you don't die because milk has been sitting for, you know, a month later than it should be. That's a fun fact. This whole podcast really leads up to that one fun fact that you can tell at parties. It's true. It's like true. that that but is you the can peak. tell that at parties. That, that, is, <laughs> that is our peak of this podcast. <laughs> tell this at your next party. That's great. I mean like I'm with it oh though, Jake. That's, this has been a good story. Thank you. I, I, <laughs> I thought you would learn something that you didn't know about him. Yeah. So that was the whole point. He, Not that he's a good guy. Yeah, but, you know, um, uh, a lot of... Uh, I'm, I, I will admit, though, I'm a I'm an almond milk guy now. So... Oh, dude, I am too. I, I don't know if that's relevant to this podcast, but we're talking about milk, and I just thought it's, I'd bring it it's up. It's very relevant, man. We're talking about milk. And listen, skim milk on a good day with, like, cookies and stuff is still the shit. Yeah. Like it's almond milk's not the same. I drink almond milk on a regular basis. I love it, but yeah, I need some skim milk, man. Yeah, I need it. I can't drink the whole stuff anymore. My God, but skim I could do. It. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. Is that well? I'm is glad, that I'm glad we could talk about story? that. <laughs> is that the Capone story? Because that's good to know. I do want to tie this up. I mean, the man is responsible for untold massacres. So, oh God, uh, yes. But I guess it Ungodly does bring a, a deeper thought to. Can someone be do good deeds? Yes. And still be horrible? Right. Yes. The answers to the, exactly. both of those questions in my mind are yes. Exactly. Um, but also his motives. His motives was money. Yeah. Like even in the good things he did for the most part was for his image and his money. Yeah, the image thing. So you can look at it that way. The soup way. kitchen definitely could be a, an image. Like you're playing to the community. You don't want, you want to keep your community tight and relying on you and wanting, thinking you're, you know. You don't want them to 100%. hate you if you're running this kind of operation in their suburb or their world. So, right. Although exactly. it's still does it, but does that negate the outcome of what happens from it? No. So, like, I yeah, no. Which is weird. <laughs> it doesn't. No. What I mean by that is like someone did get a meal because they were homeless and you're probably right. saved a life or two. Like, yeah, can't get away from all it. the families <laughs> that had food on their table because Al Capone opened up soup kitchens. Yeah, in Chicago. Uh, yeah, pretty fucking nuts, man. Yeah, he's he's an interesting character. Um, I think it could be this could be a good starting point to start diving deeper into mob boss figures and kind of having a history of certain uh, figureheads in mob the mob world. Because I've I've been really interested. I've I've watched some even recently as of like the last four months. I've watched some. I feel like I'm always saying that. Oh, I watched this new thing. I watched this new thing. Or I read this new thing. But it's <laughs> no, true. No, that's good, man. You're always learning. Uh, but it's true. There's some really interesting uh, pieces on some mob bosses I didn't know about. And um, I can't not love the thriller movies. Like, uh, what's the movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Jack Nichols? Uh, De- the Departed. Oh, you talking about The Departed, yeah, like, there's some, Dude, what a good movie. I mean... <laughs> If you're gonna play a mob boss, those things are interesting to me. But um, I try to put that because yeah, that gave me a real life sense of again. I'm a politician. Imagine being threatened like by these people. I couldn't do anything. I would like to think yeah. I well, would. It sounds like it sounds like they had no power to stop them. Yeah, like they were literally running. They were that powerful. He had that much in and 
every department, probably the police department, definitely. I mean, like, obviously there was, in the Valentine's Day massacre, people dress up as cops. Yeah. Like, he definitely had inside people everywhere in the government. So imagine you being elected, like, you're probably the first person he comes to to push his agenda. Yeah. He's that powerful. So definitely would be absolutely terrifying uh, to live in that kind of state. Yeah. Well, but obviously for his family too. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, exactly. Everybody was in danger at that point. Say hello to my little friend. Well, (laughs) that was good. That was, I was, (laughs) I don't know what I was doing. Um, All right. Well, that's a good story. Anything else? Any other things you want to mention or is that you want to wrap it up? Yeah, no, that was it. So I just thought it was a very interesting story and uh, yeah, thought it'd be cool to share. Yeah. It's a good one. There's a good thread that we can start to follow, I think, for future podcasts. Um, I think there's a lot here. This is kind of a good opener to a lot of uh, shit that happens after. (laughs) Because there's a lot. Yeah, there is a lot. Um, And they influence a lot. Like There's many ecosystems that we're running through a lot of these mobs um, at different points in time. So, yeah, that'd be really interesting to start diving into. Um, Cool. All right. Yeah, definitely. Well... Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, this has been Casual History. Um, you can find us on right. uh, social media, Casual X History, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Hey, we're young. We're hip. We're doing the thing. <laughs> hey, we're hip. Um, <laughs> we're out there. Discord also. We haven't really, again, I we haven't cultivated that a lot just because we haven't had a lot of, we need to kind of push that a little bit more with, I think it'd be more fun with a group of people, you know? Right now, most of the people are on Facebook. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we would love to get like, we have a Discord going so you can join that and uh, have like real time conversations with us. What you want to hear on this podcast, um, you know, any like notes, suggestions, anything like even uh, corrections on some of this stuff, this information. If you have something better. Uh, yeah, let us know. We would love to chat and talk with you guys as well as just create a dialogue and a conversation. Uh, we would love to make you guys a part of this with us. That's right. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. All right. Have a good night.